you have a Bible with you there in your home this morning, I want to invite you to turn to this gospel passage, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. For two incredible summers in my life, the summer of 96 and the summer of 97, I was able to call Colorado my home. I um, spent two summers there in the mountains, actually on a mountain, uh, working at a youth camp. In fact, that's where me and my wife, uh, Jamie, fell in love. Uh, met another young man there named Ed Campbell from Hugoden, Kansas. Probably none of you have any idea where Hugoden, Kansas is. It's a small town in the uh, southwest corner of Kansas. Me and Ed were tasked on Thursdays to take youth up the mountain. We would actually take them on a great adventure up the mountain. So we would meet in front of the dining hall um, on the early morning hours of Thursdays, and we would, uh, we would gather them all together, and we would give them the scoop, right? We would pull no punches, because what we would want them to understand is this is going to be a long hike, this is going to be a hard hike, and this is going to be a riddle mosquito-infested hike. And, um, but what we also wanted them to understand is that Ed and I are going to be with you every step of the way. We're going to encourage you. There's going to be obstacles ahead of you, but we're going to do this. We're going to get going. And, and so we would pump them up, and we would be like, you know, who's ready to, to tackle and climb Horn Peak today? And every Thursday morning... Youth would cry out with the affirmative, you know. They were ready to do it. But once we started, <laughs> reality would set in, right? Once uh, this enthusiastic group of youth uh, really turned into skeptics as each step became an obstacle of making it to the top of the mountain. And it was a difficult climb. And seeing the climb, many began to sink. Right Last week, we saw Peter in the same way. The, the hard part was behind him, getting out of the boat. He was mastering this water-walking business. And then it happened, right? Reality set in. His initial enthusiasm subsided. He realized just how bad the storm was, and he saw the wind. What I want you to know this morning, right up front in this message that God has given me to give to you this morning, is that the same is true for us. We launch into great adventures, we start new jobs, we, we take on stretching ministry assignments, we begin a new family, a marriage, we're in the beginning days of an exciting new year in 2020, and the initial days are filled with hope. We're walking, we're climbing, then reality sets in. We see the climb, we see the height, we see the distance, the wind, the news, the pandemic. We face obstacles. Unexpected conflict saps our spirit, plans are thwarted. Just when we're hoping for level ground, easy walking, we're met with a rigorous climb. Well, we see this morning one such individual who overcame 
obstacles by faith. In fact, um, what we see here this morning in our text is that she had mega faith. What I love about the Canaanite woman is really she is the antithesis of Peter. And where he failed, she is shining for the glory of Christ. So if you look at verse 21, notice how Matthew speaks about this woman who meets Jesus. She's a Canaanite who's come out to, to meet Jesus from the region of Tyre and Sidon. In Jesus' culture, it was really unacceptable for a rabbi, a religious teacher, to talk to a woman at all, and certainly not a Canaanite woman. So she's very much like the Samaritan woman in this way. They were ancestral enemies of the Jewish people, so she is the epitome of an outsider. And look how Jesus deals with her. She's met with obstacle after obstacle. First, she's met with silence. Then she overcomes rejection. And now to cap it all, it looks like Jesus comes right out with a direct insult. If you look at verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the what? The dogs. <laughs> and so you may be reading your text, right? As we, as I do, did he just call her a dog? And so what are we to make of this woman? What are we to make of Jesus' responses? So I want you to see three qualities of her mega faith, right? The Greek word there for uh, there in your English Bible is basically the root for mega, the mega, mega faith, three qualities. Her faith, number one, is properly directed. In order for faith to be sensible, you have to put it in the right object. And she cries unto verse 22, who? Who is she crying out to? She's crying out to Jesus. Great faith always has the right object. And she turned from faith, from false gods and hopeless deities and idols, and she cries unto Jesus. She was coming to the only one that could help her. She's putting her faith in the right object. And not only, not only does her faith have a quality of being properly directed, but secondly, her faith is repentant. Notice verse 22 again. She cried unto him, saying, Have what? Mercy on me. I love her response here because she's not saying, I'm here because you need to give me what I deserve. I'm here because what's happened to my daughter is not fair. She's saying, I'm here in spite of the fact that I don't deserve anything. Have mercy on me on me. So what we really see is there's no worthiness here. It's really the cry of David in Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy tender mercies. This woman is really the opposite of the ugly spiritual pride of the Pharisees and the scribes. And then there's this third quality that must be noted her persistence, right? Her faith is persistent. This is what we're really learning this morning. She is conquering obstacles through all of these qualities of faith, but one that is so 
shining in this example of this Canaanite. She's persistent. She's begging for mercy. And what does Jesus do? Absolutely nothing. He's silent. He's deafening silent. And the question is, did he care? Well, sure he cared. Did he have compassion? He is full of compassion. And so the question is, what in the world is he doing? Why doesn't he just say something to her? And I think what is happening here in the text is Jesus has had enough of shallowness. He's had enough of superficiality. He's had enough of people who who came and got what they want and then left. He had seen this in Galilee. There was enough shallow soil, enough weedy ground, and I believe what he wanted to do is strengthen. He is strengthening. He's testing. He is pulling this woman's faith to its fullness. He is putting up barriers. He's putting up obstacles in which she must persist and tear down to show the reality of her true faith. Jesus finally responds, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus is challenging the categories of who's in and who's out. What's clean and what's defiled. And I think what Jesus is actually doing is saying to those in earshot, right, His disciples, the Pharisees, the scribe, is that in fact, what it turns out is the Canaanite woman is part of the lost sheep of Israel. He goes into verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread, throw it to the dogs. And that's how the Pharisees thought, right? It's how the disciples thought. Grace was just for them, just for the insiders, just for those who would outwardly conform. Everyone else, well, they don't deserve the same treatment. They're, they're dogs. And our response to this rhetoric, right, we see this here in the text. This is why I love this passage, is because I think most of us, if we would have encountered this, we would have what? We would have turned around and went the other way. But her, she steps up, she responds, if I'm a dog, I still belong in the master's house. And even dogs get to eat the crumbs. What she's really saying is I'm not an outsider at all. I belong in the house. He did come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but by her response, this Canaanite woman demonstrates what the disciples miss and the Pharisees deny. She has discovered, hasn't she? She has discovered what we come to know is that we belong to God's people, not on the basis of our ethnicity or our religious rituals, but based entirely on the response of your heart to the person of Jesus Christ. This outsider, this Canaanite woman, is actually an insider after all. In a real sense, she is a lost sheep for whom Jesus came. Her faith is properly directed. Her faith is repentant. Her faith is persistent. And these three qualities, right, bear the fruit of her cry, don't they? Because what initially happens her daughter 
is healed. And so in closing, how do we apply this text? How do we, how do we think about this for our own lives? And this is where we need to be careful because this is a grace-based sermon. This is where we need to think about how to apply this through the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me give you some direct application to assist you in having this kind of faith in our times today, right? Sunday, August 16th, good old 2020. <laughs> because last August wasn't like this August. Am I right? Hopefully I hear an amen in the comments. So three things. Stay connected. Stay connected. In this time of a, of a pandemic, we need to stay connected. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that one thing that we've learned through these times is the privilege of being connected. It's a priceless privilege and one that perhaps is taken for granted, right? It, it is amazing the countless people that I've, I've met in this parish through this pandemic that have said to me, I miss going to church. I miss being in Door Hall. I miss being in the old church building. I miss it. And you miss it because there is something about God's people coming together and being together. And so I pray that you have marked September 13th. You've circled it. You've highlighted it. Um, I, because I'm envisioning that the church building, and not only the church building, but out there on the plaza, that it's full, that you are ready to bring your coolers and your tents and your blankets and your lawn chairs, and just, it's like Woodstock 2020 at St. Paul's. I would love to see it, where we are connected again in each other's lives, because being together, being a part of each other's lives promotes love, it promotes good works. It provides encouragement through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are better together. That should be our anthem right now. We're better together. So stay connected. Secondly, stay centered. I think our patron St. Paul said it best, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, not on the things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. What Paul is really saying is set your heart on things which are above in these times. When we set our hearts on something, it motivates us, it changes us, it energizes us, it makes our eyes shine, it puts, a, it puts a, just a pep in our step, it focuses all of our divided attention into a single laser intense direction. I imagine every one of us has centered our desires and thoughts, all our emotional, our intellectual energy on various earthly goals in the seasons of life. Can we think and feel with the same intensity about Christ Jesus? In times such as these, we have to look somewhere for answers, right? The psychologist tells us that we need to look within the opportunist tells that we just need to look around. The optimist says that we just need to look ahead. And the pessimist says that we should just look out. But God is saying this morning, we just need to look up.
even when we feel down. Set your minds on Christ. He has you. He cares for you. He's committed to you. He loves you. Lastly, stay compassionate. The reason why I love this story is because you get to see what happens when Jesus meets an ordinary woman from Canaan, right? She's an outsider who becomes an insider. And you need to know that that is Christianity. We are a worldwide church of every language and every color. In these difficult days, there is and there will be stress, there will be tension, and you and I will be prone to go through just the actions, right? You just get in action mode. You just, you just got to do what you got to do to get through the day. But this is what I want you to remember. Be compassionate. You need to understand that there is a person behind the mask. There's a heart. There's a soul. And God wants you to reach that heart and soul through His power. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us. Remember the faith of the Canaanite woman. Stay connected. Stay centered. Stay compassionate. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for encouraging us through the Canaanite woman. There is no greater benediction that You've given to anybody than a Canaanite woman. She has great faith. I pray that through these times, Lord, You would help us. We're not going to do this on our own strength. We're not, we're not leaving today our homes, this church. We're not leaving this Word this morning knowing that we're going to do this on our own power. We're going to lean on You, Your strength, Your grace, Your mercy. So help us. We need Your help. In the name of Christ, I pray. All God's people said, Amen.